0: For checking in. I'm still a piece of garbage.
1: And I'm her friend.
0: (laughs) Welcome. Welcome. (laughs) Welcome to the show. This is the Haunted Heart Podcast. The
1: Haunted Heart Podcast, hosted by yours truly, your Midnight Werewolf and Witch Mother.
0: This is true. I I was waiting for you to say your name, so I got a little fucked up there. I was like, (laughs) wait, what?
1: (laughs) It is such a good night to be doing this right now because it is like. Dark. Lightning.
0: It's lightning.
1: And stormy. It is. It's like chilly and fall like.
0: Cool. I would not say that it is chilly. It's a little chilly. No, it's, it's a humid little chilly outside.
1: No, it's a little chilly. No. God damn it, I Katie. It is fucking chilly. No. It is fall. It is chilly. Girl, it is fall.
0: No, it. I haven't felt it yet. I haven't felt the fall come yet.
1: I felt a little bit of it when I was leaving work today and mm. it was like, I kind of felt a little bit and I was like, yeah. ooh. There,
0: all right, there she is. I wouldn't know, because I spent the last 16 hours laying in my bed. Probably longer than that, actually. Last night at 11 until about 6 p.m. today. How many <laughs> hours is that?
1: A lot.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm doing this uh, this three-day cleanse thing, and I'm feeling really cleansed of all my energy and uh, blood sugar <laughs> and all those things yeah. that keep you alive. Is it like uh, a,
1: like a colon cleanse? Like, no,
0: it's not a colon cleanse. It's just like a, it's this super, so, okay. I wanted to go, I wanted to cut out all added sugar for September cause I had a crazy ass summer and I thought that the best way to do that would be to go for three days on an incredibly restrictive diet that cut out not only all sugar, but meat and dairy and grains and beans basically all I can eat is like fruit vegetables and these protein shake things okay it sucks um (laughs) it sucks really bad why would you ever do that so my plan is like to be on a really hard thing for three days so that then after those three days when I go back to eating like meat and dairy and grains and stuff I can be like oh this is so much better and like it's almost like I won't even know that I'm not eating sugar until I turn into a sugar zombie, which is supposed to happen like two weeks in. Uh, it's really fucked. It I sucks sh- to it sucks to be fat, y'all. No, I'm kidding. Sometimes <laughs> all man. bodies are beautiful. I just don't want to feel like shit all the time, like I do right now, <laughs> on this three day cleanse. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, no, I just I had to really drink in too much, not sleeping enough whirlwind summer so you just have to understand break with that
1: this is a pattern
0: (laughs) (laughs) shut up you (laughs) yeah i like get really healthy and then i like get really not healthy and then i get really healthy and then i don't
1: that's how she functions
0: yeah i mean why deal with your mental health when you could just obsess over your physical health right
1: exactly (laughs) it's fine (laughs) Just cover up one thing with another.
0: Uh, yep. So we haven't talked about Enneagrams yet on the show, but that's definitely something that I want to talk about. So don't Google it too hard if you're listening. But yes, my Enneagram, 100% that. Like just n- never focus on actual problems. Just like focus on, put whatever you can between you and the problem and obsess about that mm-hmm. instead of dealing with your issues. Yes. Yeah. So that was the Katie Corner. That's um, what's gonna, going on in yeah. my life. Yeah. Right. Uh,
1: we're going to have an issues episode. It's, it's just all about Katie's issues, oh and then we'll God. do one for mine.
0: Oh, no. You don't want That's that. That's a Patreon they exclusive. Don't, they don't <laughs> fucking want that. I'm not even Talking about truly People horrific. Yeah. No. Speaking of Patreon, though, we have a new member to induct today. Yes. But, 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 since this is episode 30, we wanted to take a moment to um thank all of our patreons me, katie
1: katie 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 patrons (laughs) our patrons
0: Patrons. Patrons. i'm never i'm never gonna not our patrons all the people all the people that give us money we're gonna talk to you now we're gonna say your names so um
1: i think we should start with our newest one right off the top you think okay or no, or no. I mean, I was going to end that with one. That one end. Okay, fine. fine. That's fine, Katie. You run this show. You, you, you do this.
0: <laughs> okay, <laughs> Mr. Passive-Aggressive.
1: It's fine. It's fine, Katie. It's fine. It's fine.
0: Yeah, I know. I know it is. So first up, we want to thank Donna and Carrie from a Paranormal Ticks podcast. They are members of our Haunted Heart Harem.
1: Yes. And now we're going into our Stay Spooky Squad. Starting with Allie A.
0: Amy S.
1: Christy W.
0: Alicia from Hello Gorgeous. Go visit her on Instagram.
1: Katie L.
0: And next we have our cannibal cult. Beginning with Danielle Z. Holly B. Melissa B.
1: And then our trash talent aficionado.
0: Kristen
1: H. Kristen And then. Thank
0: you, thank you. And of course, we have a new inductee this week that we're very excited about.
1: Thank you to Nicole S., who is a member of our Stay Spooky squad. And we know the drill by now, folks. She gets an invocation. And we have dressed this candle with all sorts of positive energy and intent and goodwill for you, Nicole S. We appreciate you. Thank you so much for supporting us and believing in us uh, enough to uh, help join us our out. our family. And join our family, Officially. yes. So we will light your candle.
0: I think your cat just exploded in the yep, background. Yeah, he did. It's fine. He's very excited for you, Nicole. <laughs>
1: So your candle is lit at least through this episode but always always in our dark hearts.
0: So thank you to all of our Patreon people. You guys are awesome. Thank you guys for um, you know, like literally buying in. Like it's really awesome. And if you are interested in joining our Patreon and you are not yet in the party, Um, hop on over to patreon.com slash the haunted heart, and you can take a look at all the cool content that we put out for our Patreon exclusive people. And you can join us if you think that you know, you wanna you wanna do that. No pressure. Yes. Pressure's gross. No, no pressure. But if you no want pressure. to, that would be awesome.
1: Leave that coin on the dresser. Yes, because
0: we have all kinds of cool stuff that we want to be able to do, and having money makes it possible for us to do those things. And we're doing
1: some of them right now.
0: Yes, yes, yes.
1: All right, Katie. So I delved us delved I dove us into our topic last week. So why yeah. don't you? Tell us, tell us all what we're wondering. What are we talking about today?
0: Yes, so this week we are going to discuss witchy crimes. <sighs> so,
1: crimes of the witch.
0: Yes, so we wanted to... Um, we wanted to do an episode where we kind of curated. We left it pretty open for ourselves. Basically, any crime that has to do with witchcraft, whether it was committed by a self-professed witch or whether people thought that witchcraft was involved or whether, you know, any sort of connection that we had with witchcraft, we thought that it would be interesting to explore that. Obviously, we both are, I feel like we have to throw a little bit of a disclaimer up, up top that, you know... Witchcraft or magic or whatever you prefer to call it is overall a force for good in the world. Is a force for um, maybe if not necessarily good, but at least a a good neutral. Um, And that witches, obviously we know, are not old terrible hags who are out to burn the world and out committing crimes and shit like that. Um, There's a huge misconception of the Wiccan community And we don't want to feed into that. But at the same time, we thought that it would be an interesting um, topic to explore. And so just know that we're approaching it from a background of nothing but respect for witchcraft.
1: Well, I think it's also important to note that more than likely, like the cases that we'll be discussing are probably more than likely not true. Yes.
0: Yes not like is, it's yeah in the
1: sense that they are one uh because right. as we all know uh the wiccan read and it harm none do what you will
0: exactly so if
1: you are harming some you sh- you're you're already fucking <laughs> up girl you're fucking up
0: and historically witches were you know I-, I feel like you know witches are just the hot chicks like i'm just saying like the freaky ones who are kind of into that stuff that maybe some of the Some of the ones on the up and up might not be into, but, you know.
1: Katie, you're projecting.
0: We witches are kind of, (laughs) no, seriously. There's all kinds of, I'm kind of being funny, but at the same time, um, intelligent women throughout history have been called witches. Yeah. You know, so.
1: Even if they themselves did not, like.
0: Right, even if they're not Wiccan at all, and they have nothing to do with that. It's sort of a thing that society likes to It's sort of a slur that society likes to slur... Am I having a stroke? Yes. It's sort of a slur that society likes to throw at intelligent women to sort of, like, bring them down or stereotype them or whatever. Well, it's that
1: fear of the woman.
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: So you fear woman, you call woman witch. Yes. You give reason to fear.
0: Yes, yeah. So... Which is fucked up, because, you know...
1: Listen... I wouldn't have any other witch right here across from me Aww, doing this, thanks, so babe. take it as a compliment.
0: Even if I am starting now, I mean, witch. I can't <laughs> speak on the, in the podcast. It's fine. You know. So I figure I'll start off because I have a case that is somewhat more recent. Okay. And I know your case. I don't know the particulars, but I know that your case is a little further back in the past. So I think it might be nice to like
1: the old witch case. The old
0: witch. Yeah. No. I think um it might be better to do the one that recently. Yeah. Let's travel happened.
1: back in time. Let's do it. Okay. Let's let's, let's, let's go backwards. Back
0: but we're only gonna go back like a little bit for me, and then we'll go back like a long ways for you. Yeah. <laughs> we're gonna make yeah. a pit stop on the way for snacks. Okay. At
1: the at the uh, the time warp Wawa.
0: Yes. <laughs> Fuck yeah, Wawa. I love Wawa so fucking much. Oh, my God. Now I want Wawa coffee. Okay. She's triggered. I'm I'm so triggered. (laughs) Let me just drink some water instead because that's (laughs) truly what my body wants, right? Not delicious Wawa coffee. Okay. I'm feeling refreshed. So, I am bringing you the case of the murder of, I guess we should say, Dr. Robert Schwartz.
1: Dr. Robert Schwartz. All right.
0: Okay. So Dr. Robert Schwartz was vice president of Creative Innovations Technology, which was renowned for biometrics and DNA research. And he himself was actually really, really instrumental in setting up Virginia's DNA data bank which is the data bank that cops use to solve crimes now to like match DNA from crime scenes to people who are already in the system.
1: So daddy had money.
0: Daddy had money, he was a scientist. You know I love me a scientist. I love that big brain. I'm all about that magic, and the scientists look at me like I'm crazy, but they got that big brain, and they think they know everything, but they don't, Daddy. <laughs> so you know I like to put it on them and give them a little give them a little mystery that they can't explain. It's fine. Um, yes, so Robert Schwartz was very scientifically minded. He was kind of a bigwig. He had a lot of money as well. Um, he had three, three siblings. He had three children. Uh, Jesse, who's a boy, um, Michelle Schwartz and Clara Jane Schwartz. Okay. And Clara Jane was the youngest. So, Clara Jane was born in 1981. She was the youngest of the family. Um, her mother died of cancer when she was about nine. So, Robert Schwartz was, uh, made a widower. Um, Clara actually is the one who found her mother. She came home from school and found her mother dead on the kitchen floor. Ooh. Yes. Very traumatizing. Very upsetting. Cannot imagine. Awful situation. Especially at nine. So, Clara became a goth pretty early on, and people in her family connect her becoming a goth. Um, I watched some interviews where they, they connect her mother passing away with her becoming goth. I mean... I can kind of see the connection, but at the same time, you know, I mean, I was a goth in high school and nothing fucking happened to me. Like right. my life was fine, but I was super fucking goth. So I, I think that this takes place in Virginia. Actually, it takes place in Loudoun County. Virginia, oh, shit. Which so is where we live. seems to be a
1: lot of shit going on down here. Right? Up here. So that's wherever. actually why,
0: that's one of the big reasons I picked this case cause, is because it happened in Loudoun County. There's also another call out that it's a connection to, to me. So um, this case just kind of jumped out at me with all the synchronicities. And I figure since it's Witch Week, I should not ignore synchronicities. So Claire becomes goth. Uh, her father really, really disapproves of that style. And you have to remember that this was like, you know, the 90s. So like grunge culture was around. But I guess people weren't quite as comfortable with people being as out of the box as we are now. Like right. It's 2018. Yeah, you course. can fucking like put an elephant mask on your head and the sock on your dick and walk out the door, and probably nobody's going to really pay attention to you. Noted. Yeah. You know? So, but back in the 90s, Dr. Schwartz is uh, very disapproving of, of Claire's style and also Claire's friends. And Claire and her father had a really troubled relationship, which only got worse when her older siblings moved out and went to college. So eventually Clara, um, graduates from high school and she decides to attend James Madison university. Oh, yes. Which is my alma mater. I suppose you should say, you could say that maybe, maybe not. Um, so yes, she went to JMU and was a computer science major, but her grades were not really that good. Uh, Her father was really upset with that. Um, Clara really preferred to... She was a computer science major, but she really liked to um, play internet games, like online games. Mm -hmm. Internet games. Internet games? She liked to play internet games.
1: (laughs) Uh, These games on the internet. She liked to play them. Yes. She was up all hours of the night playing on that that light book. (laughs) That thing that that the other people are inside and she talks to. I don't know what <laughs> she was doing.
0: Yes. She loved online gaming and she actually created her own internet game, which was called underworld. And it was a fantasy role-playing game along the lines of dungeons and dragons. So Clara was really into that and clearly was not studying that much for her homework. Her family described her as a really, really smart girl, but clearly she was not putting in the effort, um, as far as grades go, so her father, very upset, presents her with the ultimatum that she has to raise her grades or he wouldn't continue to pay for her to go to college. Mm. And she would have to get a job, you know. Oh, yeah.
1: That's the real hard story. <laughs> she would
0: have to get a job, you know, working in a restaurant or whatever, whatever she could get and start supporting herself. So that p- pissed her off. Clara is at Jamu, and she's, you know, getting more and more into this internet game that she's created. And her character in the game is the high priestess of chaos. So, you know,
1: I was going to say, were you her avatar?
0: I mean, it's pretty fucking goth, but I have to like, okay. So I had many feelings when I heard first heard that title, it's actually... Um, I pulled a lot of my information from a TV show called Occult Crimes. And there was an episode about this case. And it was actually called The High Priestess of Chaos. And I was kind of like... It's fucking like metal! Yeah. Like, I was into that. But also, I, I fully recognize that I'm a super fucking nerd. And it's pretty nerdy as well, if you think about it.
1: <laughs> yeah, you're I'm like... The high Priestess of Chaos? It's like that, it's like that video of uh, the, the three kids in the... She's like I'm Raven, the
0: acid Yeah, that I put on the, the Facebook the group. Darkness. Yes, yes, so funny. I'm Asa, the mime of darkness. Yeah, like there's a lot. I, I recognize I'm that Kenny, though. I'm Kenny, the
1: bitch of darkness.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I recognize, I identify with that though. I would totally have been high priestess of Oh, totally. a, I used to have an email address that was called Cynical Lady in Red. I remember that at Yahoo.com. That was my email. <laughs> And I would like (laughs) go to stores like in the mall. This is when I was like a baby teen. But I would go to stores in a mall and they would fill out, they would ask you to fill out information for like their bonus program or whatever. And I would like seriously write that as my email in on the email line with no shame. Cynical
1: underscore.
0: Yeah, there were underscores all throughout it. Because why? God.
1: Jesus Christ. It's okay. Just empty space. It's It's fine. Better than mine. Which I'm not sharing. <laughs>
0: okay, because you still use yours.
1: It's still a junk email that I use. I'm attached yeah. to it. It's a, it's a thing.
0: I'm attached.
1: It's my very first email I've ever created. I still have it.
0: My first email is... I still have access to all these. I actually don't think I have access to Cynical Lady. But my very first email was EgyptLover1315. Mm-hmm.
1: I know that one, too.
0: Because I loved Egypt. And I thought that I, I... created it at 13. And I thought that I would have it until I was 15. Okay. And I still have access to it today. So anyway, back to our story. (laughs) So um, Clara is into this game that she's created, and she has friends that play the game with her. So Clara's boyfriend, Patrick House, played a character called the Assassin. And Patrick actually believed in, he had a little bit of an issue with, separating the real world from fiction. Mm, he okay. actually believed that dragons were real oh. and that the fantasy world is real. Oh, oh okay. So then there, are, they have other friends. Uh, Patrick one day is at the therapist's clinic, right? And outside the therapist's office, he meets this guy, Michael, um, Michael Poff, I think is how you pronounce his last name. And they, kind of hit it off and turns out Michael is also interested into online in online gaming and fantasy role-playing shit and so they kind of become friends
1: RPGs. Yeah. So
0: they kind of become friends and Michael kind of gets roped into the game. Um, then later Patrick and Clara introduce Michael to Katie Inglis. Her name is Catherine Inglis but um, everybody calls her Katie. And huh. the two Michael and Katie start dating. So they're they're kind of like Patrick and Clara and then Michael and Katie basically all move in together and become like this weird fantasy role play coven thing okay right so they're all in the house together and they're all kind of that to me that's significant because it sort of blurs the line between we're online playing this game as these characters and now we are around each other all the time like in the same context you know what i mean yeah yeah Like, it kind of almost pulls the game a little bit more into reality because they're all around each other all the time. Shortly thereafter, after everybody moved in together, Clara said that her father, Clara started talking about her relationship with her father. And she said that she thought he was actually trying to poison her. She said that he had abused her in the past, both mentally and physically, and that he had sexually abused her as well. And her father was actually also in the game that Clara had created, and he was represented by a character that was called simply Father.
1: Okay. So he wasn't actually playing it. No. She just had made a character.
0: Yes, because the game, the fantasy role play game, it's like D&D, but her character was the main character, and then everybody else's roles were kind of around her. Yeah,
1: I've never played D&D, so I have no idea how that works. So.
0: That's a different podcast. Yeah, that's a different podcast. (laughs) I could go there, but let's not. The whole
1: D&D community on our podcast listeners is just like.
0: (gasps) Yeah, (laughs) but I don't have enough time to explain it to you. I'll have to get it to you off air. So this sort of conversation starts happening more and more frequently. And at first, everybody, you know, kind of just lets her talk about it. Obviously, there's trauma there. Uh, But. After a while, Patrick leaves the role-playing game when he realizes that Kara actually may be serious about killing her father. Okay. Uh, so.
1: Red flags.
0: Yes. So they break up, and Patrick gets the fuck out.
1: Alright, good for you, Patrick.
0: Gold star for you, Patrick. <laughs> so, soon after in September of 2001, Clara meets Kyle Holbert online. And the two sort of Strike up a relationship. Now, mm-hmm. background information on Kyle. Kyle's parents divorced at two, at, when he was only two years old. His mom got custody of him, but shortly thereafter, she sent him off to live with her parents. And we don't really know that much more about her. Beginning at the age of three, Kyle started psychotropic drug treatments because he was what's called an ambulatory schizophrenic. He's functional, but he has ideas that aren't necessarily connected to reality. That's okay. basically what that means. Yeah. So he was in foster care growing up. His dad came back to get him from his mom's, from his grandparents' house, but apparently it didn't work out because he was in and out of the foster system. And he actually did several stints and mental health institutes as a child. So actually in 2001, earlier that year before he meets Clara, he was just released from the state hospital's mental health ward. In early 2001, mm-hmm. because he had turned 18. Okay. It wasn't because he was better. It was because he turned 18. Got it. So he was supposed to be receiving medication and outpatient counseling, but it seems like he did not do that. There's no record of him having done that. So when he gets out of the mental institute, the first thing he does is buy a silver shinobi sword. Oh. That was 26 inches in length. And he named it Nightshade. After his character in Dungeons and Dragons, Demon Nightshade.
1: Nightshade? Yes. Nightshade.
0: Yeah. I mean, again, I feel very close to this story because a part of me is like, that's fucking badass, but at the same time, I realize that (laughs) I am a nerd to the nth degree, so it's just a little too much. Like, it's just a little bit...
1: Is it the night or the shade that is too much?
0: I don't know. I think it's just the thing as a whole. It's just like, just name it Tim. You know what I mean? Just Or Greg. Greg. Greg the
1: sword. Greg the sword. I'm not going to murder anybody. Yeah.
0: So, um, Kyle describes himself as an empath.
1: He is just... Yeah. Level ten.
0: I think he's up to all the way up to eleven. Like he's, he's. We've a lot. got
1: all right. So we've got a sword named Nightshade. <laughs> he's a he's an empath. Yeah. He, I mean, I'm I'm shaken over here. Yeah. Like in my boots, would not want to cross this dude's he has path. A,
0: he has a lot going on. Um. He also considered himself a vampire. Ah,
1: and he's a vampire and he believes in dragons. He probably has a dragon
0: who claims to have, how the, how the fuck did you know these things? <laughs> so he, claims, Wait, did he say he has a dragon? He claims that he's a vampire who has drunk the blood and he claims to also have drunk the blood of several girlfriends. Oh, he spends hours and hours online gaming. Um, and also claims to hear voices. Three voices in particular that also have names. He hears the voices of Saba, Nicodemus, and Ordal. And he claimed to have a pet dragon whose name was Tiamat. Timmy. Tiamat. Tim. Tiamat. Tim. <laughs> I mean, maybe. It's close to maybe Tim. Maybe you could shorten it to It's
1: Tim. close to Tim. Hey, Tim. Tim the dragon.
0: So Tiamat the dragon, supposedly black with light green eyes, always sat on his shoulder uh-huh. and talked to him as well
1: wonderful
0: yes so that's kind of what we're dealing with in cal Hobart. obviously we're not making light of mental mental illness at all
1: no not at all i'm just like shook by these names and like yes
0: it's very creative Yeah, uh, but we probably need to get you some medicine yeah and some so counseling. he
1: was with
0: Maybe some supervision.
1: Our Lady of Chaos, right?
0: So in September 2001, he meets her online, and they, the two of them hit it off, and they become close friends very quickly. And Kyle joins the game, the underworld game that Claire created, and his character's name is The Protector, True to his character's name, Kyle began to feel that it was his job to protect Clara from her father's abusive behavior. They spent hours chatting online, during which Clara claimed that her father was planning her murder during their uh, vacation in the Virgin Islands, which was going to happen over Christmas break. For Kyle, Clara's father uh, became, because he was represented in the game as father, um, he Took on an adversarial um, sort of um, persona, I guess, and Kyle began to see the murder of Clara's father as a noble endeavor. So there was also an incident in November two thousand and one. I guess Clara was home on Thanksgiving break. It was actually it actually happened on Thanksgiving. Um, Kyle came over to see her, and Dr. Schwartz found him there and was upset because he didn't want. You know, Kyle was all. I mean, imagine this fucking dude like rolling up at your house and house in like a super dark like had, trench coat.
1: No, I, like, I can guarantee you, he had some sort of like dirty black t shirt on, some sort of like band logo on it. I'm sure, like those Jinko jeans. Yeah. The ones with the really wide bottoms.
0: I see him in like some fucking like black long trench coat with like chains and shit on it. I
1: think you're making him too cool.
0: Maybe. I'm heavily influenced by the dramatizations in occult crimes, which I admit are fantastic.
1: I think he has like a dirty t shirt on. He probably has like a wallet with a chain on it hooked to his pocket, but I'm seeing like Jinko jeans. Yeah. Wide leg, dirty, like dirty vans, black. Or not Vans, but like the the skateboard shoes. Those are Vans. Not well, yeah, but like there's another one. Like Etneys. Yeah.
0: Oh. Yeah. I'm throwing it I'm way back.
1: Those. I'm seeing some Etneys.
0: Yeah, maybe, but I mean, I'm just giving in mind like her father's response, and maybe her, maybe that was enough to make her father. Freak and he's got, out, got his
1: nightshade like... <laughs> sword on his Actually, back. Actually,
0: I don't think he was carrying nightshade. However, when Doctor Schwartz found Kyle at the house. I guess maybe he was away and Kyle came over to see Clara and then he came home or something. But he basically came home to see that Kyle was there. And he also found that Kyle was carrying a very large concealed knife. Oh. So apparently Nightshade was not alone. Maybe that was like rat poison, I don't know. Oh,
1: okay.
0: <laughs> I don't know what that Nightshade what that one's name was.
1: Night Glimmer.
0: <laughs> Lord. Not shade, not sun. (laughs) Maybe. So he flips out and he tells Clara that Kyle can't come back to the house ever, ever again. Right? He's just over this whole goth. He's like
1: done. done He comes in. This is Thanksgiving, right? Yes. So he's come in. He's probably, he probably went to go get the cranberry sauce. Maybe. He probably forgot the cranberry sauce. He went to the store. He's struggling to open
0: it. Kyle pulls out his massive fucking 15 inch knife to open the can and the dad is just like what
1: I just see him like he's carrying his little groceries he's already frustrated because he's got to go back and get the cranberry sauce comes back in sees this strange this strange boy there with his daughter and and a knife and he's probably just like over it and I don't blame him
0: yeah I, I mean I kind of feel I understand because I was very goth but at the same time As an adult, I understand the tedious nature of having a child who is so serious all the time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I get it. So this happens in November. On December 8th, 2001, Kyle, uh, Clara is back at JMU. I'm sure trying to finish up her classes before winter break. Kyle asks Michael and Katie for a ride to the Schwartz household. So Katie and Michael say, sure. And they all load up in the car and head to, towards Loudoun County, right? towards the house. The road was really, really muddy, and it was raining a lot that night. And they ended up getting stuck in the mud before they actually got to the house. The car, the car got stuck. So Kyle hops out of the car and walks the rest of the way to the house. It was like just, um, I think it was like less than a mile. He just cut through some trees and headed to the house, right? So meanwhile, Katie and Mike try to get the car unstuck, but they can't get it unstuck, so they just go back inside the car and they just make out for a little bit. Oh,
1: yeah, as as we do.
0: I mean, there's nothing else to do, so why not, right? Right. The show that I was watching said that the teenagers began making out and heavy petting.
1: So they begin their heavy petting. A
0: little bit of heavy petting for you.
1: This sounds like wouldn't it be wouldn't this be a great segue that like he went off to do whatever he is about to do uh and they were stuck in the car making out and then they became like the hookman urban legend.
0: Oh fuck, and he yeah. you did that. Yeah. Yeah. That would be good.
1: I could play I could totally play Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> Next episode, I'm just immersed. Like, you come back to record You're next like episode. Obsessive. You and have I'm a dragon immer- named Tiamat. I'm just immersed in oh Dungeons and Dragons.
0: Jesus. It happens to the best I mean, your mother us, you already
1: know? gives me lots of dragon things. So,
0: true. <laughs> All right. So, Mike and Katie are making out. And Kyle is headed towards the house. So, Kyle arrives at the Shorts household makes up some story about how he left something there or needed to pick something up, yada, yada, um, so that he can get inside, basically. And once he's inside, he, he accuses Dr. Schwartz of abusing his daughter. And certainly we don't, I mean, I'm always the person who is inclined to believe somebody who is saying that they are being abused, right? I want to believe someone when they say that. Right, right. However, in this case, you have somebody, Clara is obviously somebody who is very paranoid. She's obviously somebody who has other things going on that could potentially maybe lead her to say some things that maybe aren't 100% true and factual, that maybe she feels are, right? So right. She's, there's like a mental divide going on here. Um, so Dr. Schwartz reacts like, the fuck? <laughs> and he like doesn't really take it seriously. Um, I think they said that he kind of like mocked Kyle a little bit, um, but I, in my mind, it's the reaction of somebody who that like that's just so crazy to him that he just doesn't even have a frame of reference for how to respond. Right. Because you know, if he's not abusing his daughter, then it's just something that's like something out of fucking random, left field. Yeah. yeah. So this infuriates Kyle. He takes out his sword. And stabs Dr. Schwartz 29 times.
1: 29 times. Yeah.
0: They said that after the first, like, three, he just blacked out and just, yeah. So, uh, after this vicious attack, Kyle carved an X into the back of Schwartz's neck and left his victim in a pool of blood on the kitchen floor.
1: Mm, Like her mother. Yeah.
0: So Kyle then goes back out to the car, throws his bloody sword and his bloody trench coat in the back. That's why I was thinking he was wearing a trench coat. Ah. It was a character trait. So he throws his bloody sword and his bloody trench coat in the back of the car, and he's just, like, totally, like, fine, right? And he, he and Mike try to get the car out of the mud, but they still can't get it out. Uh, so they went to a neighbor's house to oh, make a no phone way. call to a towing service. Tow truck shows up, pulls them out, but they didn't have any cash to pay. So Katie had to ride with the tow truck driver while Mike and Kyle followed in the car. And in my mind, it's the tow truck driver from, um, it's Mick from Wolf Creek. Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> so they drive into Leesburg to find an ATM, which is like a, a nearby town.
1: I thought you were getting ready to explain what an ATM was, and I was no. like,
0: ah. uh, it's where you press the buttons and then you get the money or you get the message that you don't have any money.
1: Yeah, yeah. I know that.
0: So they go into Leesburg, they find an ATM, they take cash out, pay the tow truck driver, tow truck driver goes on about his business, and they return to their home. Kyle is feeling super proud and vindicated, and Mike and Katie are very nervous, because of course, while it may not have been discussed in specifics, they definitely know what happened, Right. Why would Kyle go to the Short's household without Clara being there? They know that he has this grudge against Clara. They all know... Or against uh, Clara's father. They have this huge backstory that's part of this game that they all play and talk about all the time. And all of a sudden, he just asks for a ride there. Goes, comes back, isn't carrying anything, and has this fucking bloody-ass sword. Yeah,
1: I was going to say, like uh, the fact that you're headed towards this person's house with a a fucking sword...
0: Yeah, a 26-inch bloody sword kind of raises... You know an eyebrow or two so it's clear that mike and katie kind of sort of know what happened and they're a bit nervous so two days later on december 10th robert schwartz's colleagues are very worried because he didn't show up to work and it's not like him he's very prompt very punctual so a neighbor was called and the neighbor goes over he found the body and called the police the detectives that were working the case went to JMU to give Clara the news of her father's death. And Clara's older sister, Michelle, uh, also went to JMU. So he went to see both girls there. Detectives obviously start talking to neighbors um, who tell them about the tow truck that they mm. saw in the neighborhood. And they, the detectives, really good police work, they obviously follow the line back to the tow truck driver who says, yeah, I picked up these kids. He probably was like, I picked up these kids. They were really fucking weird. In I picked the middle of the night, weird fucker. Right? Who- <laughs> yeah, totally. And of course, they were really easy to remember because, of course, Katie had to ride with him. They had to go all the way into Leesburg and like get money out of an ATM. It was y- the y- whole y- thing. Right. Yeah. So there's this huge thing. Very memorable. So he, um, the police shortly show up at, Uh, Catherine and or Katie and Michael and uh Kyle's door. Um, first they talked to Katie Inglis who sang like Aretha Franklin, (laughs) basically told them everything. Is it too soon? No, No. so Katie talks to them about everything. Katie and Michael maintain that they had no idea that Kyle was gonna kill Dr. Schwartz, but later they confess that they knew when he asked for a ride that that's what he wanted to do. They also ended up helping him clean the sword, which police later found in Kyle's home that had been scrubbed clean of blood. With the exception of Clara, everybody else who was involved eventually confessed. Obviously, um, you know, Katie, one of the... (laughs) I felt so bad. One of the um, detectives described her as a dingbat. Like, he literally... <laughs> it's this old guy. And he was like, mm, and she was kind of a dingbat. And I was like, are you... What? Is I this seventh it. grade? It's,
1: I love it. Oh, my God. Dingbat?
0: I was like, is this seventh grade? What the fuck? Is that an official police term? <laughs> yes. So, Katie spoke immediately. I think, I think Mike pretty much gave it up pretty quickly. And then Kyle... Clearly he's mentally unstable and he had a sense of pride in what he did. So I don't think that it took, it wasn't like it was like a five hour interrogation and then he finally cracked and gave them the information. I think it was pretty straightforward. Right. However, Clara did not confess. Clara played, played innocent and put it all on Kyle. She said he took it too literally. He misconstrued her words, yada, yada. Um, she also accused her father of verbal, physical, and sexual abuse in an interview with police, in many interviews with police. However, her siblings were never, they never confirmed that Claire was ever abused. They said that she and her father had a difficult relationship, but none of them could ever confirm any sort of abuse. Bottom line, Claire needed the money from her father's estate and his life insurance money. She even mentioned the life insurance money in her police interviews or she was going to have to go to work because she wasn't doing great in school and she wasn't really feeling that. She didn't want to go to work, so she figured if she got her father out of the way, then she would have plenty of money to live on with the life insurance and the money from his estate because he's already a wealthy man, right? Right. Right. So she manipulated Kyle, who was a very mentally ill person, into basically doing it for her. And she eventually, uh, after much interrogation by the police, she eventually cracked and admitted, she said, quote, I want to be perfectly honest. I knew deep inside that Kyle was going to do it. End quote. Mm. So sentencing uh, Michael was sentenced to 18 years in prison.
1: Damn, okay. That's... For being an
0: accomplice. Okay. Catherine, interestingly, served a one-year sentence for a conspiracy to commit murder. And the thing with Catherine, she was the person who... Catherine was the person who police knew that they would have the hardest time connecting to it because Catherine just really... Didn't know a lot of details, and she was just, like, kind of, like, riding shotgun. She wasn't driving the car. She wasn't... For some reason, they found it much harder to connect Catherine, but she did serve a one-year sentence for conspiracy to commit murder.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: Kyle was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole and is currently serving his sentence at the River North Correctional Center. Correctional Center.
1: Is, that, is that near here or no? Probably not.
0: I don't think so. No. Um... I didn't actually, I didn't actually look into that. Um, it is in, it's in Virginia, but it's in Independence, Virginia. I have no fucking idea where that is. So right he,
1: next to Liberty.
0: <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> so he did get life in prison without the possibility of parole, which uh, I struggle with a little bit because he clearly was mentally ill and he yeah. didn't do anything to cover up the crime. Other than washing the sword, but he didn't do anything to hide the body. He, I struggle with that sentence. Right. A bit. And on October 16th, 2002, Clara was convicted of first degree murder. In February of 2003, she was sentenced to serve 48 years in prison. And despite multiple attempts at overturning the sentence, she remains at the Fluvanna Correctional Center for Women near Troy, Virginia, with a tentative release date of November 2nd, 2043.
1: Well, I guess she didn't have to worry about working. Yeah. After all. Nope, she sure didn't.
0: So when Except she gets for when out, she gets out. Yeah, she was born in uh, 1981, so if she gets out in 2043, she will be roughly 62 Ooh. damn yeah so that is the story of the murder of dr robert Did, is
1: she still um but is she still eligible for her father's estate do you think like i'm I'm that's le- like that's a bunch of legal stuff but like i'm interested to know if like does she is she does I doubt she still it. get that like e- even when she gets out
0: i doubt it i mean if there's any of it left it probably all went to her siblings
1: oh that's true you know she, had, she had siblings two so other it probably siblings. went to them
0: yeah so, yeah, and that was very, um, you know, the high priestess of chaos and all. Clearly somebody that's presenting themselves as a witch or witchy type woman who is not at all connected with the virtues of, you know. Right. Any of that. False. Yeah. No. Yeah. Wiccans don't usually uh, murder for greed.
1: No, exactly. <laughs> Not true, or, then. or like use other people.
0: Yeah, yeah. like pawns. Exactly.
1: So, uh, so wow, what do that's you interesting.
0: Have for me.
1: So speaking of uh, speaking of that, like using other people, I have. Uh, a case known as the Old Yorkshire Witch. The uh, Yorkshire
0: Witch. Okay. I'm, so I'm familiar I'm bringing with this it, case a little bit.
1: Yeah, I'm bringing it back. We're getting out of the time machine. We're going back.
0: So we're getting back in the time machine. We have our Wawa coffee. We mm-hmm. have our snacks. Our witchy I, Wawa coffee. I took coffee. Nightshade with me. Oh, good. <laughs> good. Great. <laughs> Great. And now we're headed back. <laughs>
1: Yes, so the Yorkshire Witch, uh, also known as Mary Bateman. She was a farmer's daughter, born Mary Harker in the little village of Topcliffe near Thirsk, North Yorkshire in 1768.
0: That's Britain, right? Mm, yeah. Okay,
1: that's
0: the UK. Yeah. Got it. So. <laughs> a lot of fancy words in there. Yeah. Fit.
1: So, from a very young age, she was uh, very dishonest uh, and was dismissed for petty uh, pilfering from one of her jobs. Pilfering? What is that?
0: Stealing. Stealing. Thieving. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, thieving. Stealing shit.
1: Petty shit. She found other jobs, but never held them for long. Mary was what today we should call uh, a compulsive liar, mm. essentially. Uh, She was a thief, a fraudster, and confidence trickster. She was also, by all accounts, a consummate actress and deceived many of her victims by instilling in them a belief that she had supernatural powers. Mm
0: -hmm. See, it's crazy, like, in talking about this particular topic, it's very interesting because if I tell you that I have powers, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And I put you in that frame of mind, and then I do slight of hand things or things to slightly mentally manipulate you. You buy into it more often than not, and you can kind of you you give the per the, you give me the power that I'm professing to have. Does right. that make sense? Yeah,
1: totally, totally. So, in 1788, at about 20 years old, she turned up in Leeds where she worked as a dressmaker and also told fortunes. She married a willwright, John Bateman, but the poor fellow soon came to regret it when he discovered his wife's criminal tendencies. Mm. John, too, uh, fell victim because on one occasion, Mary persuaded him that his father was seriously ill. He rushed off to Thirsk, where his father was, only to discover uh, that his father was fine. Hmm. He had been hoaxed. And while he was away, his wife had sold his clothes and all of their furniture in order to re- repay a victim who was threatening to go to the authorities.
0: What the fuck? So somebody she had stolen from?
1: Yeah. Or okay. swindled from or whatever was threatening her. And so to pay that person back, she told her husband some white lie to get him out of the way so that while he was away, she could sell all their shit.
0: Mm. Hmm.
1: Divorce followed soon after. Now,
0: <laughs> 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 you, Do you really? imagine
1: getting up there like, and then coming back and be like,
0: bitch. <laughs> yeah. You sold all this shit. Well, bitch, that, that just is such a, um, that shows a really, um, fractured thought process. Right. Like an illogical fractured sort of thought process where it's like, okay, so you told him that his dad was sick, but of course his dad is not sick. So he's going to do nothing but turn around and come right back home. exactly, And wonder why you lied. And then he comes home and all the shit's gone. Like right. is the plan to just make up another lie that somebody broke in and stole literally everything.
1: I think it just comes from like the sense of like such a short sighted, like yeah goal, like, I'll think about it later. Yeah. You know what I mean. I'll like, fix that
0: problem after I fix this problem, right. and push sound it like somebody.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, Mary Bateman uh, envied the women for whom she made fine clothes uh, and wanted to be like them. So she resorted to theft and fraud on a very impressive scale. Mm-hmm. One story told how after a disastrous fire in Leeds, Mary Bateman roamed the streets supposedly begging for money, sheets, and blankets for the victims. But they all ended up in her own home. Hmm. She's an opportunist. It, girl. <laughs> she saw an opportunity and took it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I can't, I mean, it's shitty, but people have done worse things. Uh, like she's about to do. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and she, in fact, has done worse things. Right. Jesus I mean, that's not Christ. like, you know,
1: she saw an opportunity. She wanted nice things. You know, hey, whatever.
0: Don't steal from people.
1: <laughs> they gave it to her.
0: Yeah, but they gave it to Under her. Under false pretenses. Right. Yeah. She fucking it's swindled. Con she yeah. swindled them.
1: But anyway, I digress. Mary began increasingly to turn to fortune telling as her main source of income and actually invented a mythical person uh, called Mrs. Moore, who was supposed to be able to solve literally every problem. According to Mary Bateman, Mrs. Moore had supernatural skills as she was the seventh child of a seventh child.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: mary picked as her first victim a mrs greenwood who was frightened into believing that her husband had been put in jail and that only mrs moore could secure his release mrs greenwood immediately handed money over to bateman and when her husband returned home supposedly from jail the naive mrs greenwood was delighted and believed her money well spent
0: Did they just, like, not talk about that?
1: Well, too late. She discovered he had never been in jail at all. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Again, this goes back to that, like, girl, like, you know what I mean? Like, she's going to know her husband wasn't in jail when he comes home. And she's like, and he's like, what the fuck are you talking about? So, a second victim, a Mrs. Steed, was tricked into believing her husband, a soldier, was contemplating an illicit affair. Hmm. Through the non-existent Mrs. Moore, Mrs. Steed was instructed to place pieces of coal in front of her alleged rival's door and set fire to them, uh, thus supposedly consuming her husband's illicit passion. Okay. Again, a tidy sum of money was handed over to Mary Bateman the wicked fortune teller went on inventing preposterous stories of terrible things that were going to happen to Mrs. Steed unless money for the intervention of Mrs. Moore was paid over. In the end, the unfortunate soldier's wife handed everything she owned to Mary Bateman to avert these mm. supposed disasters, finally being reduced to complete penury and attempting suicide by drowning herself. Wow. Yeah. So, um uh, So, by now, Bateman had become uh, well-known throughout Leeds as a fortune teller, warder off of evil spirits, and a miraculous healer, though some called her a vitch. Her most infamous deception concerned a hen that supposedly laid eggs bearing the words, Christ is coming. Mary kept producing the eggs.
0: Unusual. Right?
1: (laughs) Christ is coming! Mary kept producing the eggs which, with the amazing slogan on them from beneath the hen and charged the curious a penny each to view them. Hmm. She made a lot of money with this, apparently. Now, what she was doing was writing on the eggs using a type of acid and then reinserting the eggs into the hen's oviduct.
0: Fuck. Yeah. I mean, you just sit it underneath her
1: i thought that was particularly disturbing
0: those poor fucking hens dude <laughs> i just was it that just was that one jesus no she That's did it fucking... mo- she made a
1: lot of money off of it so it oh was like a God. thing like she had her i guess her hens or maybe it was one hen oh, but
0: damn have an egg That's she'd fucking... write the words
1: on it and acid and then shove it back up there
0: Ow! so that
1: way the hen could like lay it again
0: that hen was probably like fuck you
1: That hen is pissed. That hen was mad. (laughs) So, there were other incidents of a seriously criminal nature before Mary Bateman's activities became a little more sinister. Two uh, Quaker sisters and their mother died mysteriously after taking medicines prescribed by her. Bateman invented another helper, uh, Miss Blythe. It was Miss Blythe who persuaded a family called... uh, who persuaded a family that they must hand over to Mary Bateman a silver watch and 12 guineas in order to prevent their daughter from being drowned. Mm -hmm. So by remarkable luck and cunning, Mary Bateman managed to keep out of the grasp of authorities. Because she's a wily woman. She's like, she's smart. She's yeah, very deceptive and she, she's like, I mean, she's a con artist.
0: Yeah. But I feel like up to this point, like her crimes have been like, I feel like you have put them together in a montage to that. Right. Like that song. And I feel like there's a, there's a sort of like whimsical nature to them. You know? Right.
1: Oh, it gets better. But we're it about to better. get
0: into the non-whimsical well, portion. Well, I think,
1: I think it, it, she is using other aliases, you yeah. know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it's like she's using other aliases because she's, I, I mean, she seems to be, it's so weird because it's like on one hand she does things in a very short-sighted mm-hmm. manner, mm-hmm. but it seems to me like she's creating these other aliases because she knows that like, it, I guess it adds more mysteriousness about it and then like if anything comes back like she has a fake person to to blame it on maybe. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean?
0: Mm-hmm. And then its credibility too.
1: Right. And I think it also adds to the allure like if you mm-hmm. never see this Miss Blythe, You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. it it adds to that mystique and mm-hmm. gives power to it. Mm-hmm. Right? But the case that eventually brought her to the gallows involved a Mr and Mrs Perigo of Barnley, Branley, Barnley, Bramley. Who knows? Bramley. Who knows? Leeds.
0: Only our UK listeners. Right.
1: When Rebecca Perigo complained of chest pains, Mary Bateman asked her husband for one of his wife's undergarments to send to Miss Blythe.
0: Mm, Okay. Then. Seems a little strange.
1: Right. So, then Mary went to the Perigos' home and told them she would sew four money notes into their bed and they were to give her four golden guineas for Miss Blythe to replace them and that other instructions would follow. I'm not quite sure what a guinea is. Is that money? It's money. Okay. Yeah, yeah.
0: It's, money. it's like a coin. I was
1: thinking of a guinea pig.
0: N- no. <laughs> I'm Different image. I'm just there. imagining
1: like <laughs> sewing <laughs> four golden guineas into a mattress. And the guinea pigs are like... Yeah.
0: I had guinea pigs as a child. Uh, yeah, I know you did. They were cute. <laughs> I loved them.
1: So letters from Miss Blythe duly arrived as promised, saying the couple was to fasten horseshoes over their door and demanding more money in return for Mrs. Perigo being restored to full health. Mm-hmm. Uh, so sums of money and other gifts were handed over by the credulous pair for Miss Blythe, who, of course, they never once met. Never met her. Not a Not a once. Not nary a time did they meet her. Then they received letters informing them that they were to eat puddings, to which poisonous powder had been added by Bateman. Mm. Otherwise, they would die of a terrible disease. Mr. Perigo could not stomach more than a spoonful of the foul mixture, but his wife ate it all. Mm. Dying in agony in May of 1806. The hapless Mr. Perigo was still being fleeced by Bateman two years after that.
0: What the fuck? He Here's continued the thing. to listen she to her. She ate the pudding and, and then died. died. So he, I would probably consider that an unsuccessful right attempt.
1: He continued to listen to her for two years after that, mm. and then he eventually decided to retrieve the paper notes sewn into their bed. And discovered that they were worthless pieces of paper. So, uh, apparently this, like, triggered him. Because because finally Not he the realized. the death of his wife. Finally he realized he had been duped. <laughs> <laughs> Not the death of his wife or any of that. But, you know, these paper notes. Ah, this isn't real paper. She's sure. a fake. Sure, okay. He arranged a meeting with Mary Bateman at which she was arrested by two justice officers. Her trial for fraud and the murder took place at York in March of 1809. Bateman strongly pleaded her innocence, but the evidence was overwhelming. Poison was found in her home, as well as many possessions of the Perigos and the Quakers uh, family that that I mentioned previously. Mm -hmm. Uh, It didn't take the jury long to find Mary Bateman guilty of murder. But to the end, she continued to weave her spells and tricks. She attempted to avoid her fate by claiming she was pregnant
0: Mm.
1: and that it was not legal for a pregnant woman to be hanged. However, again, she was found to be lying on a medical examination. Mm. And even in the death cell, she defrauded a fellow prisoner, a young woman, out of money. Hmm on march 20th 1809 mary bateman the yorkshire witch was led to her execution in front of a large crowd some of the spectators still believed her to have supernatural powers and that she would somehow escape the noose but it was not to be none of her spells or imaginary friends was able to help her and she died on the gallows still protesting her innocence after her death her body was put on public display and strips of her skin were flayed off and tanned into leather and sold as magic charms to ward off evil spirits. Mm. And Mary's skeleton was actually on display at the Thackeray Medical Museum in Leeds until 2015.
0: Huh. Where is it now?
1: Uh, it went back to like, to like a private university hmm. where it was.
0: Interesting.
1: That last part is what gets me.
0: What? The The part that, like, she...
1: Yeah, like...
0: Yeah, because you know that whoever it was who decided to do that, like, was capitalizing off of the mythology of her being a witch, so it was, like, a personality that's exactly like like hers. Like who she was. Profiting off of, yeah. Right. Yeah.
1: That's what... That's, like, it's almost full circle to me. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's very full circle, but at the same time, I'm like... You that person who was doing that may be, like, getting themselves into some shit that they didn't want to do because that's still fucking with somebody. Like, that's on a whole other level. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you're taking someone who had, like, a negative energy about them while they were alive and you are stripping them of their flesh and selling them. Like, that's going to have some... Like, that just has to have negative energy attached to it.
0: Maybe. Maybe it got, like, a tongue pop from her as a spirit, like... Enterprise, then, girl. Appreciate it. Make that money. Don't right. let it make you.
1: And it still surprises me that like her her skeleton was like on display. But I mean, it's cool. But it's just, it's almost like her penance, like for everything that she's done. Like after yeah. in the afterlife, like yeah, she was just literally stripped of like all these things that she had like collected from other people and stolen. Like at the end, her flesh was stripped from her. And like she was essentially on display for public consumption, yeah, forever, and has been since she's been dead,
0: yeah. Um,
1: huh. So I mean, it it's definitely justified. I feel it's like it's just
0: desserts.
1: It's just desserts, but, but not the same pudding time. desserts. Not pudding desserts. <laughs> But at the same time, it's still like, I. I wonder I don't if know. it
0: was bread pudding. I love bread I don't bread know. Said it was,
1: apparently, it was really nasty because he couldn't eat it. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's also interesting is that I actually watched a video um, because uh, there was a, a relative, a great, 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 great granddaughter of Mary Bateman who was like, didn't know. She was like, on this documentary and the documentary people knew who her relative was, but she didn't know. Mm-hmm. And so when they were asking her, like, you know, who would you not want, you know, to discover was an ancestor. And she was like somebody who was really bad and like hurt people and did bad things. Like, I really wouldn't, I wouldn't like that. And I wouldn't like to know that. And then <laughs> the documentary crew like, well, we're just going to take it you to your great, 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 great grandmother, the thieving witch.
0: hmm
1: Yeah. I would actually find that to be kind of, like, even though, like, they did bad things, like, I would consider that to be pretty cool.
0: Yeah. hmm I don't know how I would feel about it. I think it would be pretty cool. I'd rather cool. be related to an actual witch who did good things. Yeah,
1: I mean, I get that, but I'm just saying, like, I'm looking down my history, and I probably got a bunch of fucking... People who didn't do anything.
0: <laughs> <laughs> just chilling.
1: They just chilled. So, All right.
0: well, that was cool. Yeah. I like that story. Very interesting.
1: Yeah, I thought so too. Um cool.
0: cool. All right. Yeah. So, that's our witchy, witchy crimes. Crimes of
1: the witch.
0: So if you guys would like to connect with us um, further, if you want a little haunted, more haunted heart in your life, we do have the social medias. You can find us on Instagram at the haunted heart podcast. You can also find us on Twitter at the haunted heart. And we are also on Facebook. Uh, our closed Facebook can be, uh, 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 let me try that again. Our closed Facebook group can be found by searching the Haunted Heart Podcast. It should pull up our group. You can request to join and we will approve you. We would love to have you in there. It's a very, very cool group of people. And, I mean, honestly, the Facebook group just kind of does its own thing. It
1: cause... has grown. It is, like, yeah. its own entity right now. And it's I awesome. am here for yes. all of it. It's so cool. So, If you want spooky memes, <laughs> mm-hmm, if you want, like reviews on like horror movies like Mm -hmm. if you want all of that good good baby you got to join this Facebook group because I'm gonna tell you what ain't no other Facebook group like our Facebook group
0: ain't ain't no other. remember that Christina Aguilar ain't no other man ain't no other Facebook group like this one boo
1: yep (laughs) just saying
0: There you go. If you
1: want all that cool shit, come hang out with us, man. And then you can be cool as fuck, too.
0: Absolutely. And as we mentioned at the top of the show, we also have a Patreon that has exclusive bonus content for Patreon members. So if that is something that you are interested in, pop on over to Patreon.com, search for the Haunted Heart Podcast. You'll find us there, and you can check out all the cool tiers.
1: Yes. And if you decide to join, your name will also be mentioned. At the top of one of our episodes, you'll get a candle, you'll get an invocation, and on top of whatever other perk you decide to join. So,
0: it's a (laughs) win-win. You sound like a used car salesman. I love it.
1: You know, I'm trying out, I'm thinking of a new future here for myself.
0: Okay. (laughs) I think it's going to work out. You're going to be a professional swindler like uh, like Mary? Like
1: Mary Bateman. Come on, Mary. Come on, Mary.
0: (laughs) All right, guys. That's all we have for you this week. But we will see you next week, and we hope that the week ahead brings you nothing but love and light and happiness and good witchy vibes and no bad witchy vibes. And as always, stay spooky.